Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray, and in this episode, I'm joined by Matt Fondy. We get into a whole bunch of different things in this episode. We talk all about Matt's career in high school. Uh, he didn't play competitive soccer until he was 13 years old, uh, which is insane these days, but finds his way into the high school program and then ends up going to UC Santa Cruz, having a great career there, Division three school, and makes the jump to professional soccer. And we really get into the truth of what professional soccer is for a lot of players going from second division to first division and you know the ins and outs of what that really looks like. Finally, we get into that transition from your soccer career to what's next. And Matt is working on some amazing things uh, with his longtime teammate and friend, Cody, and what they're doing in the community in Oakland, California is absolutely amazing. So be sure to tune in to this episode. Give it a good listen. Um, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So without any further ado, here is Matt Fondy. Today's episode of Athletes Rising is brought to you by Cinch. Cinch is an API-driven sports management platform that simplifies the registration and management process for parents, coaches, directors, and organizations. No more jumping between apps or websites trying to figure out where all of your kids' information is. Cinch puts your entire sporting life in the palm of your hand. Do you or your organization run any kind of camps? Cinch is going to be your answer. Download the app, register your organization, create your camp program, and publish. It's as simple as that. All done from your tablet. Now any parents can search and register their players directly from their phone. You can manage all of your registrations, communications, finances, and even marketing all from your tablet. That's right, Cinch is a mobile app. So as an organization, you can have it with you out on the field as well as at home or in your office. To learn more about Cinch and all that it has to offer, visit the website at cinchhq.com or download the apps from the App Store and Google Play. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Athletes Rising. I'm your host, Kelly Gray. Today I am joined by Matt Fondy. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Um, so let's just let's just start at the beginning. Um, how did you find the game of soccer? Uh, I, I grew up playing all kinds of sports. My dad was an athletic guy, and you know we had we had balls all around the house. I was throwing and kicking and shooting, hands and feet. Um, I I first started playing soccer when I was four years old, um, but it was it, it wasn't my passion yet. I was, I was still playing baseball and basketball a lot. So That's- yeah four years old <laughs> that seems that seems to be like a pretty common thread amongst a lot of the people that i've talked to is that you know they they played like every sport under the sun and then you know we have everything from people that you know specialized in a sport at like you know at 10 years old to you know uh, even in college people that played multiple sports in college are still able to go pro in a specific sport so that's that's right. an interesting one i hear the stories of these elite athletes who specialize really young and it just seems so foreign to me yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It seems like, you know, you have your Tiger Woods and then you have your Roger Federer's, right? And it's like, um, there's a there's a great book uh, that kind of d- explains the dichotomy between the two of those. But, you know, you're absolutely, yeah. you know, um, but I love I love hearing it. I mean, I think it's more common thread that most people play multiple sports. Um, so what other sports did you play other than soccer growing up? 
competitively, I played baseball through my sophomore year of high school. So I was I was pretty much splitting the year between soccer and baseball until until I joined my first club team in soccer, which was 13. I was I'm, I'm kind of late with with all of the uh, competitive soccer stuff. So uh, well, my so, uncle actually. Yeah, let's ahead. talk about that. Like like joining your first club team at 13, like m- these days is crazy i don't think that it's crazy yeah. but these days it's crazy so like it was, was starting it? to be crazy then too my i was playing yeah. recreationally i was playing the the league i was playing it was ayso which is yeah. just just a, a small recreational league in the bay area and you know we played half the year and then another half the year kids would just go play their other sports and I, I was going to play baseball so for half the year i wasn't even playing soccer yeah i had friends who were playing club soccer and they thought i was crazy but i was like i love baseball <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, and at 13, my uncle was like, you're really good. You need to play club soccer on a team that can get you seen by college coaches. And my, my parents were like, he's 13 years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> he's not yeah. even in high school yet. So that's funny, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so what was it that like that made you want to join that competitive team at that time? It was the recreational league was not super competitive. So I, I was, I was dominating those leagues. I think I had to two mile and horn. I had more uh, goals than any other team that year. And my uncle was like, okay, <laughs> okay that's <fine>. enough. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're playing on this club team. I, I didn't go to one of the premier leagues. I was, I was playing on a, um, it was a division one team. It, it, it was structured differently back then, but yeah, I played on a decent club team and we started to play, you know, more year around, which started to move me away from baseball, but I was, I was starting to you know, fall in love with soccer. So, that the timing did work out. Um, what, what was it, or what point did you decide that it was going to be soccer? I mean, you said you, you played baseball up to high school. Like what made it be soccer instead of baseball? I think probably the structure of soccer. I think that baseball was tied to school kind of pulled me away. And also that soccer is just a better game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a free flowing game. It's different every time. Like baseball, you, I would go to the batting cage a lot and I'd, I'd, uh, you know, take some fly balls or I'd pitch or something. But soccer is just like, it's always new. Every time you go to the field, like you can play on a Sunday league team, you can play on a professional team, you can go out by yourself and it's just, it's always fun. And I, I just love that about the game. So like, I joined the club team and I started to play year round and um, I stopped playing. You stopped playing on your high school team at that point. Um, I oh, injured you my stop playing on your high school team. Or most people did. Team? Most people did. Um, uh, my high school baseball team. My high school yeah, baseball yeah. team. So I keep playing on my high school soccer team because my club yeah. team wasn't as competitive as some of the other more elite. Uh, club teams but i still i i didn't have my eyes on college for for a long time so it's still slow in that process too so you're at burlingame high school playing soccer there that level is pretty darn high and then you're on this club team that is not quite as good as some of the competitive teams uh, but but clearly i mean you stood you stood out you got some notice from college right yeah yeah um i Got more notice from my high school team than I did from my college team or my club team. Surprisingly, oh, I, I, uh, I 
missed a lot of the recruiting because I tore my quad my junior year, the worst injury I've had my my entire career. Um, so I missed my whole junior year of, of soccer, uh, which is when a lot of kids get recruited. So my senior year, I had a, I had a great season. I was the offensive player of the year, and I was able to get some some last minute recruiting from from schools. I had an offer from San Jose State. Um, to play on their team. I had a couple of red shirt offers that I wasn't too interested in. Yep. Um, and then Santa Cruz, the, the head coach at the time, Dan Chamberlain was a really good guy. He got to know my family, he came over to my house. Um, he did, did a great job uh, telling me about the program at Santa Cruz and how committed it was, even though it was a division three school. Um, still not professional soccer was super far from my mind. Yeah. Um, so I went, I decided to go to Santa Cruz. I just wanted to, you know, play my red rookie year, my freshman year. Yep. Um, not red shirt, not sit on the bench. Um, and Santa Cruz is a good school too. So that was, that yeah. kind of pulled me AAC, there. Of course. Yeah. Great school. Um, yeah. Well, tell me about like that, that kind of moment when you realized that you did have options and that playing college soccer was, was actually something that could really happen. Cause I mean, I think these days, every parent thinks that their kid is going to get a scholarship, but you know, kids, you know, that's a, that's, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get there. And I think a lot of kids, do yeah. about it, but to actually come to that realization and have it be, be true. What was that like? It was really special. It was, it, it really was. Um, I don't think I realized then how awesome it was. Um, I, I knew I was a good enough player to play in college and I had some friends who were on the track to D1 and, it seemed like it seemed like a crazy commitment that they were getting themselves into it. The, the D one schools ask a lot of their players, the, yeah. you know, it's, it's part of the recruitment process. They get, they get scholarships. Um, I, at the time I didn't want that. I wanted to, I wanted to experience college in its fullest. So I didn't want my soccer to be, you know, take up my entire life. Surprisingly, totally. you know, like I totally, I jumped in, head first and I absolutely <laughs> loved it and soccer was my life and is my life and um yeah it, it, it really is a special thing it, it's it's a built-in fraternity so you have all your friends yep. right there immediately when you go yep. um yeah no I was fortunate for sure um so so let's talk about just I'd say the hardships that you come you came across kind of getting to that point i know you mentioned the the tearing of your quad um yeah. at that point when you when you tear your quad that time when most people are getting recruited um what was your what was your mentality like i mean did you think that maybe like oh crap maybe maybe i'm not going to be able to do this maybe i'm not going to be able to you know get any uh, interest from college programs it was one of those weird injuries where i always kind of thought like okay in two weeks i'll be back in two weeks i'll be back uh-huh and i it was, I was pretty dumb. I, I would come back and I'd re-injure it and I'd <laughs> take more time off. Um, I wish I had the kind of trainers that I have now telling, <laughs> yeah. me, telling me like, you, just, you need to stop, um, which I still resist to this day. Well, um, yeah, that's the nature of it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, God knows, really, it's really hard. You know, you lose, you start to lose fitness and uh, depression sets in a little bit and part of your identity changes, you know, like if you can't be as active as, as you were, then it's, it's, it's really hard. So it, it wore on me a lot. And 
I even had a moment where I thought about playing baseball again because it wasn't going to be as, as hard on my leg. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I, I had to I had to struggle through that. Uh, luckily, luckily, the injury, it healed up, and I haven't had a problem with it since. Um, do you think that going through that process um, made you stronger overall, not just physically but mentally as well when it came to – uh, any kind of injuries that you might have come across since then? I don't know if I would put so much weight on that injury. Um, I've definitely become more thoughtful uh, as I've gotten older. But when I was a junior in high school, I kind of, I kind of took things as they came, and um, I, I honestly, like I said, I, I expect I was a good enough player where I expected to play in college. Um, yeah if I didn't make a team, I was going to, I was going to try out or uh, red shirt. Um, but I think the, the real thoughtful, the, the failure moments that, that led to um, character development in me came, came a bit later. So yeah, let's, let's start getting into some of that. So now you're at um, UC Santa Cruz uh, coming in as a freshman. Let's talk about that experience. What was that like? <laughs> There is a division three school. It's an independent conference. So we didn't have a league. We were traveling all the time. We were playing against other independent clubs that most people don't hear about uh, for their athletic programs. Um, But we still had some really talented, committed guys who wanted to play after college, who demanded a lot out of us. so I, I came into captain's camp. We it started in August before everyone else had gotten to school. So we're in San, we're in beautiful Santa Cruz. We're doing beach runs. We're running in the yeah. mountains. Um, you know those those bonds. I still have these these friends today. Um, so we immediately we built this this community around the team, and um, that definitely shaped the the kind of work ethic that I have today. Um, the player that I am today, the, the soccer observer that I am. Um, yeah, it was, it was a special group for sure. With that, with that freshman year, did you, you came in and you, did you get a lot of playing time or, or did you expect to get a lot of playing time? Um, like what did, what was your mental state as far as like getting in and competing and, and making an impact? I was sharing time my freshman year, but I was definitely playing a bunch. Um, I had had I had a great senior in high school and I got recruited based off of that and Dan Chamberlain uh, he set me up to to succeed. Um, yeah. You still have to work hard and you still have to perform in practice and then in games. Um, I remember it took me a while to get off to get on the scoring sheet. Um, it be as a striker, you know, you, you thrive on confidence and. Yeah if the ball's not going in, you start to think about why and what you're doing. And it's not, it's not always a productive thought process, but (laughs) (laughs) um, I scored three goals my freshman year. Um, Should have been more, but uh, I was, I was a playmaker and I was doing well. And, um, and we had a huge senior class that year too. So once they graduated, we all, we all knew that things were going to change a bit for my sophomore year. Um, and they did. And in my sophomore year, I was starting. I was more of a leader on the team. Um, mm-hmm. And I scored seven goals my sophomore year. Um, I got an all-region honor in, the, in our independent conference. Um, 
man, this is bringing me back. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then so after my sophomore year, we had we had, we had started to get this this new uh, group of guys, my class, who were aging together. Um, who you know, there's about nine of us in my age group, and that was our team that we knew like we were going to start to do things when we were junior and senior. Yeah. Um, and in the independent conference, you have to qualify by you have to dominate. Your, your games you're not in a conference of your own you have to you're in a pool of like I forget how many I think it's like 100 or 200 teams across the country in the independent conference who have to kill it they have to have you know one or two losses in order to make the national tournament for division three yeah um and we did that my junior and senior year um we didn't it, we didn't do as well as we would have liked. It's just such a grind to to make the tournament. Of course, um, it takes a lot out of us. But um, yeah, no, it's it's formative for for the player I became after Santa Cruz, definitely. So yeah, like like in those in that year from like sophomore to now junior and senior, um, what was what do you think was the hardest transition about um, you know going from a player splitting time to now one of the, I'd say core nine players on that team. What was that transition like? Yeah. Like what was the hardest thing about, about doing that? You know, like as a, when you come in as a freshman, right, you're, you're, you're just kind of like taking it all in. But then as you get these more, there's more of this leadership role, um, you know, you start being able to dictate that. What was the hardest part about, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, forming the team into what you and that group of nine wanted the team to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it was such a shock. Um, we knew the senior, there was a big senior class when I was a freshman. So we knew once they graduated yeah, that it was going to be, you know, a new group of leaders was, was going to be there. And our, our coach did a good job of preparing us for that. Um, and I, you know, I'd always been, one of the bigger fish in the smaller ponds that I swam in. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, I, I gravitated towards that role. And I think part of the reason why I was playing as much as I did my freshman year was, was to develop me in order to, to do that. And it's the same with uh, a lot of the guys in my class. Um, but yeah, you know, you enter the field and you just get into this tunnel vision where you, you're, you're kind of dogged and, and you just want to keep the same level that that senior class had before you. Yeah. Totally. Um, so yeah, that mindset that we had that you come into captain's camp early and there's no coaches around the captains who we had, one of our captains was one of the sophomores in my class. And, you know, we, we had to maintain that tone. And I think there were some guys who, who lead by their work ethic, who lead by, you know, articulating a vision um, but I think, you know, there was a good enough group of us that were committed enough to try and keep that level that we had the year before. Um, so I wouldn't say it's anything that I did personally. I'm more of, yeah. I'm more of the guy who's going to lead on the field and yep. bust my ass and in training, you know, over the summer, we're getting together in small groups. So everyone knows how hard people are working. Um, so it just kind of became a culture on our team. 
Um, yeah, dude, I, I totally understand that. Like the culture is really what, what makes or breaks everything. Right. And sets the, yeah. sets up the next, the next generation or the next class of players to come in and, and take over. Um, yeah. so those junior and senior years, like, so you're, you're playing, you're doing well. Um, did you think playing professional soccer was, was on your path? I didn't start thinking of, so my freshman year, there was a two seniors who ended up going and trying to play professionally. One, Adam Smart, went and played for the Earthquakes. Yeah, um, he made a mind. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he was, he's, he's a freak. He's so athletic. Um, so, you know, it was in the back of my mind. I never really considered that I would do that. I my, not that I had the, the best focus on my academics, as my parents would remind me, but <laughs> um, I was still thinking, you know, different paths and just kind of living in in college yeah um still not the thoughtful guy that i like to think that i am today um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but junior year is probably the moment where i was like okay if i don't want to go and get a job at um, a tech company in the bay area when i finish college maybe i'm gonna have to start thinking about other options and yep. i love playing soccer um the path isn't easy from division three. So I think that kept it from my mind for a while. And I had a great senior or junior year. I got um, all American in division three and yep. I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this. I started to contact some uh, professional coaches some agents and they were like, okay, we need to get you into MLS draft after your senior year. Yeah. That's how you're going to do it. Um, I had another good year in my senior year, and then I entered the draft. They were thinking maybe two or three kids from Division Three would enter the MLS draft or get drafted in the MLS draft. So I was in that grouping of kids from Division Three who might get drafted. And that year, they they drafted zero players from Division Three. They drafted <laughs> instead. They drafted some international guys. Uh, I think Wayne Rooney's brother got drafted. Yeah. Um, couple other guys like the MLS loves their young South Americans or their, their older Europeans. So yep. most of them go, go that route instead of looking at the lower leagues in America. Um, well, what was, what was that like? Like, you know, there's, you're on that high of getting into the MLS draft and then yeah. to not get drafted. Where was your head at? Yeah. I, I'm pretty good at, externalizing those things I, I knew I had done well and I, I deserved a look at least you know like I I thought maybe I would get contacted and someone might invite me into preseason or something so you know, I contacted some MLS coaches too and I was like telling them my resume and they're knowing what I know now about these leagues they're not going to look too too hard at a division three guy even even if you score a bunch of goals um, <laughs> sure so I didn't like I didn't look inward. I wasn't like this isn't I'm not good enough. I didn't yeah. say that. I was like I'm definitely good enough. Um, I've played against some D1 schools and I've scored, and these kids are getting drafted and, and they're playing on these MLS teams. So what's my route going to be? Yeah. And contacting MLS coaches didn't really play out. So my next option was uh, second division. That was USL, mm-hmm. and I had some family in Pittsburgh who knew the athletic director of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Um, <laughs> I love it. Low, but like it, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds now are, are a pretty good yeah. uh, 
they have a good setup. They have a, they have a stadium. They got you know training ground. They they, they pay their players well. Um, then they were a super low budget team. Uh, one of the one of the players on the team was was the majority owner of the team. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. no, I think he was a minority. But he he was there was a player who was the owner of the team. Is just you know just goes to show you that this is not the same system. Yeah. So I go. I go to an open trial. I, I pay for my own flight. My dad goes with me. We're just, you know, we're excited. It's, we're going to play with some professional guys, whatever. Totally. Um, so I played really well. And I, I was the only guy who got signed from the open tryouts. And <laughs> knowing what I know now, like, that's that's super rare. Yeah, um, that's crazy. I don't even tell people to go to the open tryouts. But I, yeah. like, I, <laughs> I want to keep playing, so I'll go. And <laughs> sure. the, That I flew to Pittsburgh – let I mean, take out the the privilege and how lucky I was that like I my parents my dad could come with me that he could help yeah. me afford this. Um, I actually got a, a contract and I was making. <laughs> you can you can keep this in if if it's if it's good, but uh, I was making six hundred and fifty dollars a month for six months. I was living in the house with oh, eight guys. Man. I was up in the attic of the house, which in pittsburgh in the summer oh it's gonna be 150 degrees oh my god it's ridiculous i was i have a it's in the attic so it's pointed and you can only stand in certain places so my bed is <laughs> my bed's about 10 inches off the ground it's just like a tiny little box spring with a little mattress on top of that yeah i have two little space air conditioners next to my bed blowing directly onto my bed <laughs> it's so hot you can't even lay on your bed Oh my god! You have to get it to lay right next to the air conditioner. <laughs> oh man, I, and I I loved it. I I thought it was the I was like, okay, this is I don't have to do school anymore now. I'm playing professionally. Yeah. Um, living like and it was a perfect extension from from college too because I'm living with these eight guys who are all now one track minded on soccer. Yeah. Um, but oh man, I yeah. love I love hearing that. Like. I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, you play professionally and it's like glitz and glamour straight away. And, you know, (laughs) we both know that that's not the truth of it. And so to hear like the real insider kind of look at that, but I mean, that's, it's so impressive, but, but I think that what's most impressive is what you just said there is like all of those things, man, you loved it. Like Mm -hmm. it was just awesome. And, you know, it's a dream realized. So, I mean, that's, that's impressive. So, so let's talk about that first year with Pittsburgh. How did that, how was that? Uh, yeah, it was super fun. Um, we, you know, woke up at, we had to train super early in the winter because we were playing at high schools <laughs> and, <laughs> and we had to get on the field and we were training super early in the summer cause it just got blistering hot. Yep. Um, but the, the professional atmosphere was was such a jump from from college like playing at santa cruz you're you're worrying about you know the the class you have to make because we didn't have priority enrollment um so it's in or at the the river hounds it's it's just soccer so you're thinking about your your diet and your focuses on you know maybe going to the gym that afternoon just to better prepare yourself or getting in some extra shots um and everyone is, you know, that's what's on their mind 24 seven. So, um, yeah, I loved it. it. I felt deeper in love with soccer and we didn't, we didn't have the most successful team. I was still, I was bouncing around playing a bunch of different positions. Sure. Um, 
I played some defensive mid, some wing, some forward. My natural position's forward. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't see eye to eye with the coach on some things and it it quickly it was clear that I probably wasn't gonna play there after that year. Um, so but it, overall it's formative, you know. Like what, that was my first experience as a pro. What um so when you start not seeing things eye to eye with the coach do you, mm-hmm. what are you, what are you thinking about at that point? Are you like, oh man, I've got to, I've got to find somewhere else to play or, or what, what was your, what was your mindset there? So I didn't, again, I didn't internalize it. I, I started, maybe I know talking with other players that some players start to think like, oh shit, like maybe I'm just not good enough. But yeah. I didn't do that. It's like, I just, I think this coach doesn't, see the type of player I am or he doesn't value what I can offer and I'm playing these different positions and I'm not really landing right um in in that team setting uh so I I I didn't have an agent at that point my dad and I had negotiated that contract um and so I started to think about other teams in the league and which teams I'd played well against that would maybe you know, consider bringing me in. Um, and as I expected, the the coach released me after the season. Um, contracts when you're when you're young and you don't have leverage, generally have an option for the club so they can keep you at the wage you were on for the next season. Um, so even even at the six fifty a month mark, he <laughs> he said that's too that's too much for you. <laughs> so. <laughs> I had to look elsewhere and, you know, it was only a six month season at that time. So I came home and started training again, started email coaches. And, uh, luckily I, I got to the, well, I guess to answer your question, having a coach you don't see eye to eye with can, can make, can make everything depressive. It can make you, it can make you overthink a lot of things as you, you go to training in the morning, you're not seeing eye to eye with the coach when you're playing a position you don't want to play. And for me, you know, I dwell on it. I want to get home from training. I start to get really frustrated. Uh, you, you think about specific moments where you should have done something else or something the coach said that, that you didn't agree with, or yeah. it makes you kind of feel like you're under a <laughs> microscope all the time. Um, so yeah, it was, I was it was just kind of weighing on my mind, and I knew I didn't I I didn't want to play on that team again next year, and I didn't yeah. know if I wanted to keep playing soccer um, <laughs> if if all professional teams were going to yeah, be that way. Like that. Yeah, of course. Um, I still thought I was good enough. I still like, damn, this sucks. Like I'm like I'm fit, and like my my profile of a striker fits with what I'm seeing in this league. Like I can do yep. what these other guys are doing. Why isn't this coach putting me in a position to do that? Um, so yeah, it, it's hard to have a to have a coach you don't see eye to eye with, and that's that's been my experience. Like most most of the coaches I've had, it's it's been it's been difficult. So you go from Pittsburgh, you're released, you come home and you start training, and mm-hmm. how did you find your way to the Blues in LA? Yeah, so when I come home and I'm in Foster City where I grew up, yep that's like my Zen. I can, I have a field that is always open. I have my bag of balls and yep. I, I get to this point where I'm super sharp. I, I, I wish during the season I could just have a day a week 
at my Zen place, but yeah. it doesn't work <laughs> that way. Um, so I get super sharp and fit and I, I have some friends in LA who had played with the the LA blues and I went out to a training and at that point I had, you know, I had had a year as a pro under my belt and I was kind of ready to just show up. So I, yeah. I went out and did really well and, um, still didn't, I didn't know what a big contract was. I just, I'd never negotiated a big contract for myself. Yeah, I didn't know how to get to the next place. Um, I definitely looking back could have, uh, negotiated a higher salary, <laughs> but I went there and I made $800 a month yeah, for the six totally. month season. So I was like, all right, I'm saving more, more money. Um, <laughs> but you know, again, LA blues, not a great setup. Uh, I, I was living with a friend of mine. Um, they, they weren't helping out with housing this time. So lucky enough to have a friend that lived down there. I could stay with, yeah. um, they were, they were trying to get some time on the Fullerton college training ground. Um, mm -hmm. but still I loved, I loved every minute of it. The, the setups didn't bother me. I, I just, I was on another professional team and I thought, okay, maybe this coach is, is, is I'll drive with him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you had a successful, very successful, uh, couple of years there or a year and a half or so. Right. Well, so the first year I was playing, uh, under Charlie name, I was the head coach. And mm -hmm. so I had that, I had the same, uh, I had a contract with an option for the next year. Yep. I got released at the end of the first year. I didn't see eye to eye with this coach. Um, nobody did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He ended up, he ended up leaving. Uh, he got fired at the end of the year too, but I guess he, he had a say on the options. Anyway, I got released. Um, I had scored four goals. I had a number of assists to enough to start. I had developed a bit of a relationship with the San Jose earthquakes Yep. And so Frank Gallup was the coach there. I, I hit him up when the season was over. Um, MLS coaches are not following the second division. They're, it's very far from their mind. They're thinking about their team. They're thinking about the other big leagues in the world. Yep. Um, so I, you know, I play myself up. I say, Hey Frank, I just finished season. I had a great year. Can I come train with you guys? Um, he said, yeah, sure. I think, you know, they had an injury or two. So they needed an extra striker in training. Yep. So I went out there, played some reserve games, did very well, scored a couple goals. They invited me to preseason the following year. So I'm stoked. I think this is this is great. Yeah. Um, I go into preseason. I do well there again. Um, get to the very last day of preseason. It's like March 3rd when, when everyone's <laughs> making their final roster. Yeah. And I get released. So I'm, oh. I'm cut. I'm cut on the very last day. They, they take – Adam John instead of me, who's still around in the MLS. Um, yep. And so I'm out of a team. All second division teams, their rosters are full. No one's looking for a player at that point. Um, so I was like, okay, shit, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go back to Foster city. And I'm going to train in my Zen place. And I had an agent at this point that since I was training with an MLS team, I was able to um, get an agent who was interested in, in work with me. Yeah. Um, so talking with him, he's like, don't worry, we'll find you something. Keep training, stay fit. I said, okay, so I'm, I'm doing that. I'm coaching on the side to make some money. Um, by, by June, so March, April, May, no team. June, um, 
I get into a trial with the Seattle Sounders uh-huh. and that it didn't look like I was going to get signed, but they, they had me out for a couple of weeks. Um, that was when they had Obatomi Martins and Dempsey. They had a, yeah. they had a deep striker core. Um, I think they just wanted some extra uh, bodies in training. So sure. I went out there. It was a cool experience, but it, it capped my story. So now it looked like, okay, here's this kid who's coming from MLS training camp looking for a team. I yep. leave – uh, I leave the Seattle Sounders training camp uh, and the new coach at the LA Blues is like, yeah, come on, come out. We know about you. Um, it was an Iranian guy, Daryush, and loved him. He was, he was great. He, I came out and trained for two days and he was like, yep, we need this guy. Um, so I signed a contract back with the Blues and in 10 games, I scored 10 goals and um, – yeah, I mean, he, he was a good coach. He set us up. He loved getting me the ball, and I loved that. And <laughs> balls were going in the net. Yeah. Um, and Chivas USA was nearby. And yep. I think after I had scored, like, seven goals in the first six games or so, they they came out to watch me play. They liked me. They told me they were watching me. Um, I ended up getting signed from, from Chivas when the, the USL season ended. And, USL season ends pretty early. Yep. Ended pretty early in 2013. I think it was something like yeah. maybe. And so I signed with Chivas and I, I go straight from LA blues into uh StubHub and, you know, Beckham and Keen and yep. Donovan, those guys are all training in the same place. <laughs> like, yeah. Holy shit. I'm, I was just training at Fullerton college and we were drinking water out of, a water hose <laughs> and now i'm coming into StubHub, and we have a chef and yep. i have a giant locker and you know i don't have to do my laundry after practice like <laughs> it was incredible um yeah yeah so i mean i think that's that's, that's so imp- again it's so important to hear because it's like you talk about where you were with pittsburgh and just how much you love that and then you know you just it's so it's so imperative to just keep going because you just don't know what the path is going to be and then you find yourself you know three years later two years later in an mls locker room at StubHub, which is a world-class facility um and like man if you had given in to some of those you know thoughts at a time of like maybe i maybe i don't want to do this anymore man you wouldn't have had that chance yeah so i mean just so so good i think for people to hear is like when you have that dream, like you can't, you can't really give up on it. You got to keep, keep persevering yeah. going through, you know, it is so hard. And I, I do have to add that I am incredibly fortunate that I am, I am able to stay with my parents when this happens. And yeah, you know, I was coaching to make some money, but I wasn't paying rent. So yeah, you know, I would, I'm incredibly fortunate, but the man, the moments I'm thinking, all right, I should get a job. I can't. Yeah. I can't keep doing this and the timing is everything. If I hadn't got that Seattle trial, yep. I don't, I don't think my story would have been right for, it just doesn't sound the same to say, Hey, I'm staying fit on my own versus you just got out of two weeks with the Seattle Sounders yeah, to sign that next contract. Or I hit up Frank Yallop with the earthquakes after my first season with LA blues. And he has no idea yeah. that I only scored four goals in my USL season. He's just like, okay, cool. Uh, you're a forward in the second division, come out to training. And you know, they say, come out to, they could 
email you after training and say, that's it. Like, thanks for yeah. coming. But, yeah. but it, I played well enough. So they kept me around and they needed some bodies because their strikers were, were injured. Yeah. The, the timing is just, is just, it's crazy. I had, yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk about that time with Chivas. I mean, you're now, not only are you like in the locker room and, you know, out there training every day, but you know, you're playing yeah. in front of MLS crowds. So like talk yeah. about just your overall time with Chivas USA. Oh man. Um, just <laughs> going from Pittsburgh Riverhounds and LA blues to going to StubHub center every day and playing with Carlos Bocanegra and Dan Kennedy and, yep. and like, these are career pros. These are people who have been around a long time and they have a lot of advice and, and they're, they're leaders. They, they are mentors. Um, I still talk to Dan uh, to this day. Yep. And I remember my, when I made my debut with Chivas in Seattle in front of 40,000 fans and I'm playing against Triore who used to play for Liverpool and, yep. and I held my own and he was like, Hey, I played like 30 minutes that game. And uh, he came up to me after the game and he's like, Hey, you can, you can have a career in the MLS. There, there are guys um, in the, in this league for a long time who you're better than. And yep. I still remember that. Um, it was, it's, it's hard to put words to when you feel like you've reached your dream, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm still like at that point, I, you know, you keep, you keep pushing the envelope and I was saying, okay, I want to be on the the men's national team. Yeah, of course. Um, so that became the new goal and Chivas were bottom of the table. So another, another good timing thing that worked out for me was, was that they needed a striker right then. Yep. Um, so I came in and I was playing and I made my debut on the road in Seattle and um, I showed well. And then um, <laughs> I got the start and we came home. I got the start against the galaxy, the LA Derby. And um, my only start in MLS, I had 16 appearances total. That was my yeah. only start and playing lineup against Keen and Donovan and they, <laughs> yeah they smoke us. They, they, I think it was four zero at half. Um, I remember Keen took a shot from half field and it like just barely missed. Like Dan Kennedy was off his line a little bit and Keen just roped one from half field and it just barely missed. And <laughs> uh, I got subbed off at half and that, that was uh, like the beginning of the end, I guess, kind of for, for uh, that coach. He, yeah. I saw eye to him. He was, he had come from Guadalajara yep. um, and he really liked me, which was, which was great. And I was playing and in training trainings, I was sharp and, and, you know, he was always in my ear a little bit with, with some you know, good little constructive criticism. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, the, the first season with, with Chivas ended pretty quick because I, I just got there at the end Yeah. and they were bottom of the table. So, I got my option picked up. I was coming in next year. Um, the first time I, I had a contract through the off season. So I went <laughs> yeah. home with renewed drive and I worked, yeah. worked my ass off to come in super sharp and fit. Um, but when I, I came into a new coach, Wilmer Cabrera, who he had a vision for, for a different style of play and different players Yep. Um, we signed Adolfo Batista, who's 
37 years old coming from Mexico. And I think it was just kind of a move to, to get fans in the stands. I mean, n- nothing yeah. against him. He's like, a, he's a, he's a God and it's, his career is incredible. And he was still technically a genius, but he was, he was older at that point and he didn't move very well. And, you know, he, he quickly took precedent over me and, you know, if it was coming off the bench or yeah. starting, um, so I didn't get much playing time. I ended up getting, I got about eight more appearances that, I had eight total appearances with Chivas. So I got a few more appearances with Wilmer, but I was playing, mm-hmm. I was coming in at like wing and stuff. So it wasn't, it didn't really fit. And, um, that that kind of weighs on your mind a little bit when yeah. coming from the, the first season with uh, Guero, we called him from, from Guadalajara. Uh, he's, you know, he believes in you, he values you, he, he sees what you can do. And then the next season, the coach is like trying to, he puts you in a, a position you're not used to. He's not really yeah. talking to you. Um, long story short, I ended up, I ended up getting released on the last day you could release someone again <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the end of June, as you know. I do. Um, <laughs> so I got, I got released. I uh, pulled me into his office and said, you know, we're going to let you go. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. Um, so, then you go on to the waiver wire yep. with you have two weeks or is it one week? I think it's one, one week. Teams can pick you up off the wire. And if they don't, then you're a free agent. Yeah. No one, nobody picked me up, um, which actually worked out to my benefit the way that, you know, unemployment and severance with MLS worked out, but yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's another story. Um, <laughs> after that week, Frank Yallop, who I talked with the earthquakes was now with Chicago fire and the timing was was pretty perfect. Uh, all they had was Quincy Marquay and uh, Mike McGee had just gotten hurt, so he, he needed a player and he needed someone like immediately. So he was just like, "Perfect! Like, are you fit?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Why didn't you? Why didn't Chivas work out?" And I was like, "The coach sucks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Frank was like, "Okay, I'm gonna sign you." And he had already seen me for months with earthquake. Yeah. So he knew, he knew I could, I could hang in the MLS. Um, and so I flew to Chicago and, and bam, you know, another world-class training center. And, oh yeah. Uh, every, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and playing with a whole new group of career pros and, uh, I step in and, I was I was playing right off the bat. Uh, it was it was June, so we had like six months left in the season, <clears throat> and I you know my the story of my MLS my time in MLS those two years is uh, probably how would I define it? There were some chances I should have scored. I think if I had scored three or four of the chances that. I have been reeling in my head. Yeah. Um, I probably stay for a few more years. Sure. My confidence goes up, you know, and, and, uh, and that happens, but it's, you know, part of the theme of this podcast, which I think is amazing is that those, those failures led me to something else. So yeah, I had, I had eight more appearances with the Chicago fire. I didn't get any starts. I was coming off the bench and, um, you know, I, I made a difference coming off the bench. I've, I've one play in the 90th minute that I'd show people on YouTube where I, I nutmeg <laughs> a defender and I created a pretty good chance. Um, 
but that's yeah no i no goals in mls and frank releases me again for the second time at the end of the season and i'm thinking all right i don't i don't know if mls is probably going to pay off yeah yeah so yeah talk talk about that talk about like where your head's at when you get released then so no mls is paying off um i should i should bring in my girlfriend here because she's going to be a big part of the story um (laughs) perfect so i've been with her a few years and she's saying you know this is amazing. I love that you're a professional athlete, but you're moving around every single year. Yep. Um, we had a great place in LA and um, <laughs> you just up and left in like a week, everything was fine. <laughs> then you're released and living in Chicago. So um, it's, it's difficult. It's one of the most selfish careers you could, you could have is, is kind of scraping by and bootstrapping a career of course, as an yeah. athlete. Um, so I'm thinking if I'm not going to be in MLS, I probably don't want to go to preseason with another team again because I could get released and then be out of a team. Yep. <clears throat> but I had been in MLS and I had done really well in the USL. So I could probably leverage a good contract in the USL. Yeah. And yeah. then at about that time, James O'Connor, who was the head coach at Louisville, the first, first year for them in the USL hit me up and he's like, Hey, and he had done his research. This, this guy, he's the best coach I've ever had. Yes. Yeah. An incredible coach, incredible player manager, an incredible tactician. Um, he knew all about me, knew the type of player I was. He articulated the vision he had for the team, how it was going to play, and the role I played in that. And I really appreciated that. And I was like, James, I don't know if I want to keep playing. Um, if if the U.S. men's national team is not in the picture anymore and MLS is not an option, like, is this the right move? Yeah. Um, my girlfriend wants some stability. I want some stability. I want to know what I'm doing. Um, yeah. but he convinced me that like one, another good year in, in the USL could, could really show that like a good coach in the MLS could, could take me somewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> so incredible coach, uh, good setup at Louisville that city gets behind you. Like, like even MLS teams don't. So I loved it. Um, I ended up breaking the record for goals in a season. I was, I was gold, uh, golden boot MVP. Our team was successful. Um, it, 22 it was goals like, in 28 games. I mean, those are ridiculous stats. I didn't score the first six games either. So yeah, yeah that's amazing. And, and James was like, I know you're going to score, like get out of your head and like, just keep getting yourself in those positions. And then the floodgates opened up and I was, I was the most confidence I've had as a player was that year. It's amazing the role that a coach like that can play, right? In just keeping yeah. that belief and showing you that that belief is still there, even yeah. even when you might not have it in yourself. Yeah, well said. So Louisville, obviously the season goes really well, as you said. League MVP, Golden Boot. Um, where Where's your head at coming out of that season? After Louisville, uh, I've I, so I had a two-year contract with Louisville. I didn't. I was able to. I had enough leverage as a player to not have the the team option. So I had yeah. just a two-year two guaranteed contract. Um, I should say I didn't have enough leverage to only have a one-year contract because I did want to only play there one year and then move on. Yeah. I wanted to. Have, I wanted to have a good season and then and then advance my career. And so I was trying to navigate the process of getting my contract bought out. Yep. Yeah. Um. So I went to. 
first I, I was contacting all these MLS coaches and getting back into the MLS was incredibly difficult. Um, I mean, if you ask any, in any other country, if you do what I did in the second division, your contract's going to be bought out for a lot of money. You're going to yep. go to the first division and you'll, you'll be a big, you'll be a focal point on that team. Yeah. Um, but that's not how it worked out. And so I'm contacting all these MLS coaches. Some of them have heard about me. Some of them have not. And kind of the, the story that encapsulates that is uh, my trial with DC United. So my girlfriend lived in DC. I yeah. specifically wanted to, to play on that team of course. to make that work. So I, I contact Ben Olsen and their GM, Casper. And I go out there for a week and I train the best training week I've had in my life. I was like just sharp all throughout possession, scoring goals and games sharp. And at the end of the week, I I go into the office. I'm feeling confident. I'm like, Hey Ben, like, can we, like, how can we talk about a buyout with Louisville and a contract with your team next season? Yeah. And he asked me, he's like, what's, what's your natural position? And I was like, what? Like, I just broke the record for goals in the second division yeah. and I was playing the nine, you know, this. Yeah. Like, so I, so I asked him, did you, did you see my highlight video of the goals I scored last year? And he's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> so I was like, Oh my God, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. Like how, how do you not, I just came into trial for your team and you, you don't even know what I yeah. did this season. So eventually like he sees that I'm frustrated <laughs> with that question. And, um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, listen, like we have, you know, a lot of players we're thinking about, blah, blah, blah. He's just, just kind of spending something. And he says I could come into preseason next year, but there's no guarantees. And I, I didn't say it there, but I, I, my, I couldn't risk going to preseason um, yeah. having a guaranteed contract in Louisville if I didn't know if they were going to buy out my contract. I had to, I had to take advantage of the season I had had in Louisville. So Of course. I took a trial in Israel. I actually went and um, I, I'm Jewish so I can get my citizenship in the country, which wouldn't take up an international spot. Yep. Um, so I, I had a two week trial in Israel, which it went well again, but um, the amount of money I was asking for was, was too much for, um, for them to spend on an American player. So, yes. and I wasn't going to move out there for, for less than what I was asking for because yep. It was a lot sure. to ask of my girlfriend, and I would be living there not knowing anybody. Yeah, it's a big change. Huge. Yeah. Um, so that didn't work out. So then some NASL teams had been looking at me too, um, and that's when I started talking to Tony Miola with Jacksonville Armada, and mm-hmm. uh, we worked out a buyout from, the, from Louisville and a good contract, so I was making more money, um, and – so off I went to, to Jacksonville. I mean, I, I'm loving every single bit of this story. It's so interesting to see just the intricacies of what actually takes place behind the scenes yeah. for players. Um, so you, you end up going to Jacksonville. Um, and, you know, eight appearances in Jacksonville. How was mm-hmm. that? How, was, how did Jacksonville go? And then how did you find your way to Carolina? Because you were yeah. in Carolina for a while. Um, yeah, you know, 40 appearances and and a good career there. 13 goals and 40 appearances. Again, great, uh, great numbers. So talk about just just that next step of your career. 
so yeah that that then that's kind of the it was at that time the final step of my soccer career was going to the NASL I still kept in the back of my mind the the dream of the national team mm-hmm. um, I thought that with with the record in the USL and then maybe going to the NASL if I could do something similar yeah that people would have to take notice um I was disappointed that I didn't take notice from the USL, but um, I had to I had to keep working. So um, I didn't see eye to eye with with Tony Miola. Um, we had a we had a really amazing team, and I think it's a bummer that we didn't do better than we did. Um, but I yeah, it, it became clear pretty quickly that uh, that Tony had it in mind a different system that that I was used to with James. Um, he had, he wanted the same formation, but the way that the players move just to me, it, it, it didn't seem clear. Um, so I, I voiced Uh that a couple of times in private and then, you know, it kind of came to a head when we were working hard in training. Um, but I ended up going into his office one day and saying like, I, I'm not super happy here and I'd like, I'd like a move. Um, yeah. So my agent was talking with the coach at North Carolina and, we ended up working out a deal to get me over there and um, similar kind of thing ended up playing out. Uh, I didn't see eye to eye with, with Colin Clark either. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> maybe I should internalize uh, some of this stuff because <laughs> I'm not getting along with a lot of coaches, but um, that's, that's another conversation, but <laughs> North Carolina was, was really fun. And I started to, to think about um, think more about what, it was going to come after soccer. And, you know, I still kept, yeah. I still kept the dream in my mind. I still thought it could happen, um, which is why I was going to keep playing. And my girlfriend was, was able to find a job in uh, North Carolina as well. Um, she is, she's got an amazing career too. She's a journalist and um, sure. was able to work at the, the newspaper out there. Um, and then I should add that in Louisville, I, I started working with the refugee ministry and that was where I kind of saw the power that soccer had to, to create social impact in, in kids' mm-hmm. lives. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, transcends nations, languages, yeah, everything, yeah. all of it. Um, so I moved to North Carolina and I contacted the United States committee for refugees and immigrants and I told them I'm a player on the, the pro team out here and I want to do something for your kids that you've, you're recently resettling. And, you know, it was, it was 2016. It was a crazy political moment. Donald Trump is in office. Yep. Um, so they were totally open to that. And I started to do this program where um, kids on club teams who are, They've been naturalized Americans their whole life. They were born here, started to play with these recently resettled refugees and immigrants. And it was just, it was an amazing experience. Um, we, we were training like once a week, sometimes twice a week. We had, um, there were retailers coming out to give clothes. There was food people, uh, restaurants giving food. I was starting to talk to the city council and rally about uh, getting some funding for, for advancing the program. Uh, yeah. And I started my, my kind of my relationship with soccer changed a bit. Um, I wasn't getting as much passion from playing as I was with kind of seeing the game as this tool. 
Yeah. Um, not to that's say an, that I think that's an important transition though. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's one that I think it's hard for a lot of people to see um, a lot of players to see when they're in their, the midst of their career and it's all very internalized and it's all very much about them. And you now are taking this step and seeing yeah. that you, you can now make it about everybody else and yeah. take your position and make it about every, everybody else. And so it's, right. uh, it's admirable to see that kind of um, clarity um, at that moment in time. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was totally a moment of clarity. Um, the soccer, I, I wasn't loving playing. Uh, there are times where I was, I was dreading going to, to training. Uh, I looked mm-hmm. forward to my days off. The, you know, I love I loved playing still. I, there, there's you know, when we're playing small sided games, or we actually yeah, have have a game two. in front of the crowd. Yeah, the best. Um, <laughs> the best thing ever. But we're we're doing <laughs> tactics stuff that I just don't agree with, or like when there's, yep. you know, when I feel like a coach is not managing players well, and you just start to see him lose the locker room and stuff like that. It just it wears on you and you and if you don't have something that you're doing outside of training you dwell on it like i was in earlier years of my career um it, it's hard so yeah i had this other thing that i was working on now and uh, i was trying to coordinate the logistics around it and providing transportation to these kids who are just super isolated in their communities and they don't really get to meet other soccer players yeah um i loved it and i was like okay like i think this is something that i, I want to want to scale up my ability to do this um so i decided i long long talks with my girlfriend um i was going to stop playing i started to apply to grad school um and so i left the game and that was it i came back home i went to to grad school at uc berkeley and i put i put soccer in my rear view mirror for a second um, <laughs> yeah. still still thinking that <clears throat> there's definitely this ability for the game to, to do amazing things, but just kind of just thinking about how I could help others more. That was, that was my thought process. I mean, that's such a, an interesting moment in time, right? When your playing career is done, right? So you, as you said, you have this dream always of, can I, can I represent the national team? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think all soccer players have that dream. Yeah. And and some get close, some actually make it, most do not. Mm-hmm. And you don't ever really stop believing, I think, until you actually hang up the boots. Right. And even when you hang up the boots, you're still like, man, maybe I can still do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, um, so to, to have that be done, you know, you're, you're, you're done playing at that time and your yeah. life is moving in this other direction. Um, like how did you like how did you really feel about that? I mean, I know you have this direction, but there's there's also that uncertainty as to like oh, how yeah. am I like what am I doing with my life and like how am I going to, how am I going to make a career and like yeah. I, what I've dreamt about doing is now over. I remember so 2018 and 2019, I was pretty I was bitter. I I felt like yeah. I got shafted by the system of soccer in the U.S. Um, I. I thought I could have had more. I, I'll, I'll always feel like if things had gone differently or, um, you know, one or two of those balls had gone in net or maybe I, I was with a different coach at a different time or made a different decision that it could have gone differently. But, yeah, it was just kind of kind of bitter. And I, I was – my relationship with soccer, um, professional soccer, was, was kind of sour. 
Uh, I, yeah. I was excited to be doing what I was doing. Like, I love my graduate program. Um, yeah. I was learning a ton and I was applying it to, to the game and how it, it does transcend those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, there was definitely some bitterness. So, so at that point now you, you've done um, your graduate degree um, and kind of t- there's two, two things that then happen, right? Oakland Roots is formed um, mm-hmm. and, you know, what an amazing organization they are. But at mm-hmm. the same time, you and a friend, Cody, decide to found your own soccer club, Oakland Genesis. So talk about like kind of that transition. Yeah. Uh, so graduated from Berkeley in 2019. Um, thinking about how, you know, the international aspect of the refugee and immigrant program I was doing really yep. appealed to me. I really liked that international aspect of, mm-hmm. of helping others and you know my thing is inequality i just i can't stand it i think there's so many structures in place that allow inequality that aren't aren't doing enough to try and mitigate it and so i studied that and then i got a job at an impact investment company that was trying to use capital to solve some of these problems and i was there for about five or six months and um i should say i met i met Cody at Santa Cruz. So, um, he had, I've known him forever. We've, we've been great friends for the last, you know, 12, 13 years. And he approached me after my graduate program and told me about this idea he had for open Genesis. And Mm -hmm. the idea for that was to use soccer as a tool to, um, provide low income kids from, Oakland the chance to play soccer and with that to have some of the benefits that you can get from team sports so our program provides competitive coaching uh, academic support mentorship college counseling and transportation um, all in an attempt to stop the inequality of access to soccer which has become uh, (laughs) outrageous outrageous so it costs thousands of dollars every year and you have to find a way to get from where you are to where the team is or where the team's playing which can be you know it can be an incredibly high barrier and yeah and impossible for many to to overcome and to access um so i was like yep this sounds great i would love to be a part of this it was still in the idea phase so we thought about how we're going to take this and make it a reality um, I, we weren't going to be, uh, working full time and getting a salary from this for a, a very long time. So it's like, okay, like, let's, let's keep, <clears throat> let's keep tossing this around a little bit until it becomes, uh, more fleshed out and yeah, I'll keep doing it while I'm, do- I'm working at my, uh, company. Um, so by, by December, um, it's becoming more of a reality and I decided that I wanted to. Absolutely. So at that time, I'm talking to the president at the Oakland Roots, Ben O'Nagel, and he's he's telling me, you know, about the team and they have an NPSL uh, second team as well. And he's like, hey, Mm -hmm. what what do you think about playing for the second team and just kind of being. All right. Talk again about then how you found your way to the Roots. So I I was talking with the president, Ben uh, Ben O'Nagel, and he had asked me 
what I thought about playing for their second team, the NPSL, just as kind of a, you know, train, train once a week at night. And if something happens to the striker on the first team that we could, we could have you uh, come play in those games. Sure. Um, and that really got the wheels turning. Things were, were starting to be fleshed out with Oakland Genesis. Yep. And I was like, man, I could leave my job, which I wasn't loving. Yeah. And I could play for the Oakland Roots professional team, maybe full time, not yep. the second team, and then do the do Oakland Genesis because Oakland Genesis is using soccer. Oakland Roots is big in the Oakland community. Yeah. The kind of synergy between those two things makes perfect could sense. be huge. So I was, I was yeah. talking to Cody too. I was like, should what do what do you think? Should I I, I'm willing to quit and just do Oakland Genesis because I think this is like this is real and we're starting to launch. Yeah. Or I could play on the roots and like we could strengthen the relationship with them. Um, and he was, you know, we, we decided that that was the best thing to do. So I I told Ben I was like, hey, well, like let's talk about me being on the first team full time again. And he had hit yep. me up for for the 2019 season when they were just coming online, and um, I had told him no that soccer was you know. That was in my past. I was still bitter about it. I sure. didn't do that anymore. Um, this time, you know, I, I've said that my relationship with soccer changed, um, but by by this time, it was it it was real. It, it, it cemented in my mind that soccer was just this this vehicle for for kind of community impact. And, totally. Um, it it was you know kind of stars aligning. I couldn't be happier where things are now. So yeah, let's let's. Um, I mean, I think it's it's absolutely amazing, and you know, uh, I'm looking forward to Oakland Roots getting back on the field uh, for fans to come and watch. So <laughs> hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, I know you guys are working hard on all the Oakland Genesis stuff. Where can our listeners find information about um, you and about Oakland Genesis and everything else you're working on? Awesome. Yeah. Um, so we have our website, OaklandGenesis.org. Um, that's the best place to quickly get up to the, up to speed on what we're doing and our impact in the community. Um, definitely feel free to email either Cody or I, um, we're both very responsive and, um, we'd love to hear from you. Um, my email is Matt at oaklandgenesis.org and Cody is Cody at oaklandgenesis.org. Um, we right now, yeah, it's, it's an incredibly difficult time. Um, we're doing a lot of virtual programming. We're partnering with a number of schools in the Oakland Unified School District to provide, um, we're partnering with the, the physical education departments within those schools. And we're also doing some after school programming um, just to keep kids active. I think a lot of kids are, are missing the structure to their days and a lot of the activity that they're used to. Um, so we're just trying to you know keep them keep them active and identify some players that might be on our competitive team. Sure. So Oakland Genesis has got the, the recreational side where we, we work with these schools and um, it's kind of a way for us to, to get kids moving and introduce them to soccer and get them on, on some teams and, you know, the, the benefits that that can give in their lives. Um, and at the same time, identify some players who might be left out of the, the pay to play barriers that we were discussing about, you know, transportation and, and fees. Yep. Um, 
So we, yeah, we've noticed a ton of talented kids at these schools who are not able to play club soccer. And uh, right now we're, we're forming a team of those kids that we are incredibly excited to, to start training with again um, once, once we're able. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I want to thank you for just telling everybody your story. It's such an interesting story. Um, you know, I think it's, there's so much that our listeners can, can take out of, of the various ups and downs and, and truths of, of what it takes to be a professional soccer player, but not just that, but finding that transition into what's, what's, you know, more important about the game of soccer. Um, totally. And so for all the listeners, be sure to go check out Oakland Genesis and follow the Oakland roots as well. We can catch Matt on the field. Um, so until then, uh, Matt, thanks so much for your time. Couldn't, couldn't be happier with this. This is a, what a great story and, uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks Kelly. It was my pleasure.